Welcome to Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 3, Point of Light. This episode was directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi. He directed Season 1 episodes, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, and What's Past is Prologue. Um, he will also be directing Season 2, Episodes 13 and 14. Hmm. It, so we'll get more of those sideways shots that tilt yeah. over. I'm yeah. so excited to have more of that. I think he's also listed as one of the many, many, many producers ah. in the world of Star Trek producers. Um, it was written by Andrew Colville with Sean Cochran as a story editor. And Andrew Colville is listed as a co-executive producer for season two. And he also has a writing credit on the teleplay for an Obol for Sharon, which is next week's episode. Sorry, do we know if any of these people are listed to be involved with the with the spinoff, the Michelle Yeo spinoff? Just because this almost felt like it was a little bit of a starting point for that. It did. I haven't looked into any other news surrounding that to look for names. And I didn't see anything come up on the IMDb for that, but since it's just been announced, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have any IMDb info on it yet. Right. Well, I guess we shall see. They seem to have plenty, like a large pool of producers and writers. They could easily split some you know, off. Split some make off. Make those yeah. credits shorter. All right. So actually, you've got an announcement here. Yes. A small correction. When last week I was discussing Captain Pike's ready room, uh, it was pointed out online somewhere that that wasn't actually his ready room because of the way, like, I think they got to it from a turbo lift, whereas the ready room is supposed to be directly off the bridge. So I, I don't know if that was the ready room or just like another conference room or something. Anyway. How dare you be wrong I, about that? I know I was so wrong. And this week we seem to see other just conference rooms as well. I've lost all faith in you, Jen. I know. This is not my immediate strength. So if any of our listeners out there do, you know, spend time mentally mapping out the schematics of Discovery and want to chime in, please do. Okay, so Jen, did you like this episode? I did like this episode. How about you, Kate? I did, but I've mm -hmm. also never in any episode of Star Trek Discovery, rolled my eyes so hard. Okay. I am interested to hear which parts... Oh, it was the baby, of course. It the was, baby, okay. Like, why? Like, what was <laughs> the fucking point? Whatever, it's fine. That whole thing was stupid. And also, anytime we were with the Klingons, I was like, I'd rather not be with the Klingons, actually. Yes, yes. Uh, one of our listeners at Zingstoat on Twitter, he commented that he... He said, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, enough with the Klingons already. I was just getting into the new ensemble cast dynamic. Then we're saddled with this court intrigue malarkey. The only good thing to come out of it was a certain ex-Starfleet captain. I Hopefully did... we can get on now. Yeah, I did get the feeling that they were just kind of wrapping things up. Um, No? We're going to have more Klingons? I, well, I I think so. I think we will have more Klingons. Okay, I, I will say, I think we'll have more Klingons, but we won't be, the love triangle is done. 
Like they've oh. clearly taken Ash Volk, whatever, and put him somewhere else. Like they're doing something else with him. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of that, I think that's that's done. Yeah. And and they are at a point where if they don't go back to the Klingons, like I won't be thinking, oh, what's up with the Klingons? How are they doing? You know what I mean? Where right, yeah. previous to this episode, we might have. Mm-hmm. It does seem to have solidified Lorel's claim as Chancellor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is feeling more final than we had it before. And it did address the fact that there was no way that the other Klingons were going to accept Voke. And didn't I call that way back when? I'm sure everyone did. He yeah. looked human. Yeah. 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 So I'm I am glad that they um removed him from involvement in the Klingon Empire. Though I did love his Klingon outfit with the cape over the shoulder. Yeah, everyone looked good. Mm-hmm. Lorel's hair threw me. I didn't like it. It was weird. She she wasn't designed to have hair. There's actually a side-by-side shot of her first season and second season in profile, and the contour of her skull in the first season was way larger than the contour of her skull is now. Yeah, it's... Uh, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. She was really off-putting to me. Mm-hmm. I still like her. It was still cool. She just... Yeah. The It didn't fit her. You know, she, I, I think of Lorel the way that she looked last season. Right. And right. Like, like the design or not like it, that's who she was to me. Right. Uh, well, sh- was there anything else we wanted to say before we got into sort of the rundown of the episode? Or do you want to do this just discussing each of the three storylines? Uh, let's do each of the three storylines. Okay. So we're in the Klingon storyline, yeah. so we will continue with that. I actually enjoyed on Crave, they had the last time on Discovery done with Klingon voiceover. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that bit. And um, a nice way to to bring it back in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to clearly set up the expectations that we're going to be dealing with the Klingons here. I thought it was actually pretty well written. I went back and watched it a second time. And all of the language from Lorel's speech at the beginning regarding the battlecruiser is like invoking images of motherhood. Interesting. She she refers to the battlecruiser as the offspring of the Klingon Empire. And there was a couple others that I didn't have time to write down, but it was very much like setting up this uh, mother figure for her. Are the, the, like, from other Star Trek series, did the Klingons having a mother leader figure, is that like a thing? So... There's nothing that I can recall from the shows that is an official Klingon, like, religious mythology. There is a wedding that is discussed, or a wedding that happens, and we get to hear some of the Klingon wedding ceremony, which I love. And in that, they discuss that there's, like... So in the Klingon wedding ceremony, there's very much um, the two, like, the male and the female coming together. And... Together, they are strong enough to slay the gods. And so women have always been warriors, which is then somewhat, it gets somewhat contradicted in some of the later Star Trek episodes in Deep Space Nine. 
But I also did come across, uh, I came across a website that has a rundown of like a Klingon myth. And I don't know if it's canon or if this is just fanfic, but it was talking about the origins of the Klingon Batleth as like a spiritual weapon and how it was like f- sort of forged or bathed in the blood of like a mother goddess figure. And it was mentioned directly in relation to this episode that like they're calling back to this Klingon mythology. But again, I'm not familiar with all of the the things from books and things that might be considered canon to know how canon specific this is or if this is something Discovery's sort of adding to our understanding of the Klingon. So, right. My criticism with it of of how it was introduced at the end with her speech mm-hmm. is that I would have rather she said it in Klingon with an English subtitle, but... I do think that they were meant to be speaking Klingon at the end. They just put it in English so that we would get the acting. Yeah, I know. I just... I, I wanted to hear the Klingon word for mother because it would sound so much more fierce. Right. I got gotcha. you. So. I can see it both ways. I understand why they didn't, but mm-hmm. it would have been mm-hmm. cool if they had. Yeah. How did you feel about this whole weird baby plot? It felt a little... Um, forced and out of nowhere forced, and dumb? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. That's, that's really all I have to say about that. Okay. And then she kept the head. She kept the fake baby head. <laughs> what did she do with the fake baby head? I certainly do not know. Put it in stasis? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, she, she may have kept it anticipating that there will be political challenges to this assertion. And they can run DNA tests on it to prove that it's hers and all that kind of stuff. And Sure. Yeah, anyway. Were you at all tricked? Like, did you think they'd actually killed them? The baby? And oh, no. Yeah, no, no, neither did I. No, wasn't wasn't fooled by that at all. Um, I liked some of the other sort of court intrigue aspects. I saw someone, I saw a number of people refer to it as feeling very Shakespearean. Mm. And I enjoyed that. I even think some of Laurel's costuming was, you know felt like those heavily brocaded sort of outfits that you might associate with the right Elizabethan era. You know, I have no particular complaints about it. I just didn't mm-hmm. care. Yeah, I we didn't really have much tie-in from the start of season two to the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And it always, it, even in season one, when they were going back and forth between like the Klingon plot and the other plots and the Klingon plot and the other plots, it didn't feel super tied in or complimentary even that the two were storylines were commenting on each other at all times. And especially in this episode, I felt like, um, yeah, the two storylines were very separate, I guess. Yeah, it felt like the Klingon storyline was there just to set up the spinoff show that they're doing and that they wanted, right. um, like, it seems like Tyler's going to be on that. Mm-hmm. I think I've called him all three names this episode so far, so that's fun. Yeah. And I'm still just not a super fan of the performance for Tyler. Mm, I think I'm interested in seeing what he and the Emperor will do, because I assume, let's say they're all on that ship that she's on for her show. 
mm-hmm. he might be the only one on that ship who knows who she is. Right. So I think that that will be an interesting dynamic, having someone there who knows that she's an evil, manipulative dictator right. trying to not die, and that she knows exactly who he is also, and everything. Mm-hmm. Also, obviously, I did love seeing Michelle Yeo come in and just take over. She could do that to my yeah. life anytime. I'd welcome it. Uh, one of the other things that I have noticed about Discovery Klingons, mm. they don't laugh. They're very serious. And thinking about the Klingons later on, they are serious warriors. They have honor, but they also really like live life to the fullest. They're like, and they the way they laugh is always this big, larger than life kind of laugh. Right. <clears throat> we haven't really seen that so far with these Klingons. You're right. They've all been, they've all had, their only personality trait so far is warrior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, even Ash when he's human. Yeah. Yeah. Or when he thought he was human. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's everything that I wanted to say about the Klingon storyline. How did you feel about the introduction to Michelle Yeo's ship, Giorgio's ship, whatever, and Mm. everything going on there? I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting because I don't think that she's the captain of that ship. Like, I think she's just a crew member or perhaps an operative who might not have, like, a rank within the crew. The whole, okay, wait, what is the name of this mm-hmm. secret organization? Or branch? Section 31. Section 31. Mm-hmm. The whole crew was Section 31, though, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. I don't know, I guess we won't find out until either we, we, we're seeing her more this season or, yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm just assuming that this is where, like, that's the ship that her show is going to be on. Mm-hmm. Because why would they start introducing these characters to us, if not? Yeah, the, there was the guy, I think his name was Leland. Sure. It was, I was watching with subtitles, so I gives me an advantage for names. And he seemed to be the one who was, like, calling the shots, kind of. I so. don't believe anyone can call the shots on Emperor's or show, but... Well, no. All I remember him really saying is, work on your uh, pitch. Uh, I forget the actual line, but... He gave the order to set in the course. Oh. And then was like, yeah, you gotta work on... The vibe that I got was that he was her senior officer. And like I said, I don't know if she's like a commander in a hierarchy of a crew there, or if she's like operative Giorgio. Right. Who is, you know, being taken by this crew to her current mission and might be with completely different people for other missions. I guess we shall see. But yeah, we will find out. All right. So did we want to move on to the next storyline? Sure. Which one do you want to talk about? The Tilly and May or the Amanda and Michael plot? Let's do Tilly and May. Okay. okay. Which I can't believe we forgot about the spore that landed on Tilly when we were talking about this last <laughs> episode. Because we, we've talked about that spore before and what it could mean and where they were going with that because they focused on it so much. And then we didn't even think about it. Yep. Yep. And I wonder if they had this plot line in mind that whole time. Or they were like, hey, what should we do for season two? Oh, let's do something with that spore shot we had. I like to think that they 
not necessarily had this in mind, but we're like, let's do something with a parasite in her next season. We'll figure it out later. Right, right. So did you enjoy this plot line? I did. I think mm-hmm. it escalated very quickly. I would have been uh I would have enjoyed it a little bit more if they'd dragged it out maybe a couple of seasons and had it escalate a little slower and have her sort of slowly losing her mind. Right. Um but my favorite thing in this mm-hmm. plot line actually, well, was Michael because when Tilly came back to the room and Michael was basically crying on her bed, which we can talk about later about mm-hmm. why. Um I really thought like, there are so many shows that I've seen where Michael just wouldn't have time to help Tilly because she'd be mm-hmm. too wrapped up in her own stuff. But she mm-hmm. was immediately like, no, what is wrong with you? What do you need? And I really liked that moment of friendship between them. Yes. Yeah. I also liked how she was like, I really want a problem that I might be able to solve. And it really reflected back on the other storyline of what sort of headspace she is in yeah. and how overwhelmed she's feeling with it all. Yeah, so I really liked that bit, mm-hmm. and I liked her line about being a xenoanthropologist, and she was like, you know, show me a teenage girl who hasn't, who doesn't know about crying. Yeah, she, that was that was cute. But it was it was good, and I I liked I liked what May turned out to be, and that she's not just one hundred percent gone. We're gonna presumably find out more about what's going mm-hmm. on with that, presumably in the next episode, because like we discussed after we finished recording. Because we are, once again, not smart people, apparently. The oval for Sharon or Karen or Sharon, whatever. Uh-huh. Is obviously the episode where Culber's gonna come back, because that's the only thing that makes sense. And since this spore was looking for Stamets and wanted to tell him something, I was so pissed that she didn't say it. I hate that shit. Ugh. Like, why didn't she just say it? Anyways. Oh. See, I didn't make... I didn't assume that she was going to connect Culber with what she was doing. I thought she had like an entirely different agenda all her own. Well, even if she does, I assume that this is what's going to lead us into that. Yeah, that's a good point. They could use this to make that connection. But I, regardless, I still hate when somebody says, I need you to tell him something. And then everyone right. just ignores that. And it nobody said, like, if she really cared, she would have just said it. It, it's well, obviously just the writers not wanting the audience oh, to know yet, and that pisses right. me off so much because writers are better than that. Yes, 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 yes. I agree. I, I agree with all that. Um, I was gonna defend Tilly and be like, "Well, Tilly wouldn't trust her to," but I was like, "Yeah, she should just say the thing." Yeah, not Tilly. May should have just said it. <laughs> May, uh, yeah. Sorry if I wasn't clear. No, it's just where my head went. Yeah. It's okay. And she would have just said it if she was that passionate or what have you about it yeah and well i guess she she needed to get to Metz, the the shorter blonder whiter captain you know when she first started describing the captain that way <laughs> yeah. i had completely forgotten that jacek isaacs is not actually drake uh, M- uh lucius malfoy and therefore is not actually beach bleach <laughs> blonde because when she said the blonde captain i assumed she meant Lorca. <laughs> Because I, I, I've seen so much of, of him as, as Malfoy that I, I just forgot. I was honestly a little confused as to who she was referring to entirely. And one of the possibilities I thought of quickly scanning through my head was like, is this like a really sideways mention of Kirk? Like, is she talking about like 
trying to describe Captain Kirk without saying Captain Kirk, and it's just going to be one of those funny things that they leave in. But yeah. As soon as you started talking about Stamets, I remembered that Jason Isaacs is actually a brown-haired man and was for the entire time that he was on Star Trek. <laughs> so I don't know what was up with my mind there, but yeah. So we both jumped to the complete wrong conclusion, but different ones. Yeah, yeah. Well done, us. I was waiting for like Tilly to tell her that um, that the the captain she was thinking of was dead. And to see how she was going to react to that. Mm -hmm. But obviously, they went in a smarter direction. Yeah. This episode is like, Caitlin and Jen are dumb. No offense to you. You know what I mean. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I know what you mean. Um, one of the other things I liked about this particular plotline is that it, again, was like a very Star Trek type of plotline. Mm-hmm. Because Star Trek has done that, you know, there's a crew member infected by a parasite and we need to get it out of them. Yes. Um, they have done that before. I, and I did think the solution for getting it out of her came about very easily. Like there was no research or anything. It was just like, yeah, we'll just hit this button. It's cool. Very easily and very quickly. And again, the engineering team is just doing things that could potentially be dangerous without calling medical staff in first. I was I'm thinking like, that you too. can take two minutes. You can, you, you, how long does it take to get from sick bay into engineering? Like you can take like your time, like or or have a doctor come there and maybe be like, could you just sedate her because this is gonna hurt? Like yeah, done yeah, and done, and like, like monitor her and shit. Do you have an Advil in the future? Because it's pretty effective. Like, um, yeah, and uh, it wasn't seeming to harm her physically. Like it was mentally, you know, messing around with her. But again, like if she's sedated, exactly. You know, wouldn't be a problem, and it was just like, okay, again, I guess this was maybe Stamet's revenge for, for when Tilly did this to him. I don't know. It just, especially uh, since his, uh, shoot, were they married? Was, were Carlburn and Stamets married? Were they just in a relationship? I was gonna say husband, but then I was like, oh, I don't know, boyfriend. Whatever I him. Don't, especially yeah. since his partner was a doctor. You know, mm. you'd think he'd be, gung ho yeah. for medical, treatment, help things that was a sentence well and saru was there you'd think that saru the commanding officer who has a you know sense of protocol and you know what do we do in this situation yeah you'd think he would have at least been like maybe we should call him oh you're doing oh, okay too late yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even just that little bit i would have felt better yeah yeah just like a, a one line bit of dialogue that gets cut off and it would have been like oh okay stamets is just like going for it although yeah. again his partner was a doctor so i don't i don't see why although, he sometimes wouldn't. opposites attract you know no i get that but he could be the kind of guy who's like it's fine it's fine it's a little blood and culver would be like you your fingers on the floor we need to go <laughs> right like i guess i did like well I guess I did like Tilly's sort of breakdown on the bridge. I wish I kind of wish she'd yelled at May a little bit more. Right. I I kind of hope we get. Well, obviously they're going to come back to it because it ended with this, you know, creature being in a containment field. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's not quite resolved yet. But I hope that they maybe get a like Tilly thinking about why this person was what her brain picked to work with kind of idea. Um, I thought the the bacteria spore fungi person picked it. 
like just picked it out of her memory. I didn't think Tilly had picked it. Okay. Yeah, just just something to address. You know, that would have been nice or will be nice if they if they do that. And then a bit of a a look into was the organism actually helping Tilly? Because it takes credit for helping her with the half marathon. You know, honestly, like Tilly stopped and talked to her for a bit and then won. So something mm-hmm. must have been helping her. Like, that's not how a half marathon works. No. <laughs> no. I know. I thought that, too, when that happened. I was like, really? Unless really? unless the other two had completely over pushed themselves and, you know, right. and Tilly just has better. Uh, and, and she caught Tilly caught her breath for that few minutes where she stopped and yeah. was able to, like, get another second wind or something. I don't yeah. know. It didn't it didn't feel logically sound that she would win after stopping to have a conversation mm-hmm. and like beat her best time and all that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to say about the Tilly and May arc? Hmm. I am sad that we missed having a genuine Tilly reaction to getting to sit in the captain chair, you know, like a, right. in her sound mind. Oh, I'm in the chair. Like she, I hope we get to revisit that. Yes. Because I think it would have been hilarious and yes. adorable the way Tilly usually is. Yeah. Um, I also liked how they called the, the whole thing shadow exercises, which I thought kind of worked with the episode title Point of Light, because where there's light that makes a shadow. Right. And Tilly's dealing with kind of like her shadow self. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was a good little bit of language to tie it together. Shall we move on to Michael and Amanda? Yes, let's do that. So how did you feel about this storyline? I I liked it. I liked getting to see current Amanda. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked that she decided to do something active for her family and not just... I feel like in other Star Trek-y things that I've seen, she's been a very passive character. She's kind of just arm candy. Yeah, or just like existing in the background, waiting. Mm Mm-hmm. So I liked that she, you know, went to go see her son in a hospital. And then when was when she was completely like stonewalled there or whatever the term is, I don't know if that's whatever. She was like, well, screw that and stole his file and then went to go recruit her adopted daughter into, you know, figuring it all out. You know, I like that she's like family must help family and we are going to find him and we are going to help him. And it was it was good. Yeah, I definitely liked how active Amanda was. Uh, she gets, we get to see a personality there. And um, when she, yeah, when she stole the file and she said, I did the only thing that was logical, I stole his medical file. And then, you know, brings it to Michael because she knows that Michael will have the technical ability to hack into it. Just as an aside, I want to mention that I made the specification of adopted mother or what have you there, um, mm-hmm. just because they make that difference. Generally speaking, you know, adopted parents are just parents. I just want to throw that yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Michael does call her mother. But she also calls her her foster mother sometimes, and sometimes she just calls her Amanda. I feel like Michael doesn't quite know, because Michael was not terribly young when her parents died. Yes. So but that, I, I, also, I just want to mention that's the only reason I make that distinction. Yeah. I also feel... Uh, I understand where the awkwardness of title switching comes from, just because um, as an adult addressing your parent, and, and I work with extended family, 
And it's, so yeah, I call them by their first name because I'm in a business setting. But then I also switch back to calling them, you know, by their like family title when we're not in a business setting. So like I, I do that switching. So right. anyway. I, so we got more hints as to what it mm -hmm. was that drove Michael and Spock apart, mm -hmm. which is that Spock drove him apart on purpose because logic people were after her. I didn't know what that was. Sorry, you said Spock. Did you mean Michael drove them apart on purpose? Yes, make that sentence make sense. You know, yes. me and names. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Spock is Michael. Michael is Spock. Whatever. Oh, okay. The Spock family. I don't, I don't actually have the Spock family. Um, yeah, so uh, the logic extremists didn't want Michael at the Vulcan Academy. They didn't want Michael part of Sarek's family. So they had bombed the Academy because she was there. Did we learn that in this episode? No. Oh, that was no, last this season? Is all, this is all gleaned from things last season. Okay. I guess I just forgot. About, like, I remember the Academy being bombed, but I don't remember yeah. that being specifically because of Michael. I feel like we got flashbacks to Michael being in two different bombings last season, and it was very confused. Like, the one that killed her parents and the one where at the school. Yeah, yeah. So there was the Klingon attack that killed her parents, and then the one with the logic extremists at the school. And it wasn't super, like, it's very easy to get those conflated. And then you don't really find out the motive until I think it's the episode where Sarek is going to meet with the Klingon envoy during the war, except it's a trap, and his ship gets bombed mm -hmm. by the logic extremists. And I think it's in that episode where they talk about the logic extremists and them not liking what Sarek was doing and all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. This is ringing bells. No. Yes. Yeah. That's ringing some bells. Okay. Yeah. I really should have taken so then, the time to rewatch season one. <laughs> uh, so then Michael, you know, as a young girl is like feeling responsible for this violence that's around her. And then there's this little kid who she called, she again referred to him as her shadow in this, in this episode. And to keep him safe, she had to push him away. Right. And it's something very terrible. It's terrible. And they're doing the thing where they're not telling us what it is because it's so terrible. And. Oh, yeah. I don't know. If this were like an actual human, not human, you know what I'm saying, whatever. An actual real people situation. She would have just told Amanda what she told Spock there. But again, right. we can't know. No. Nope. So, even though would it really change anything if we knew now? Nope. Other than we would probably know that it's not as big a deal as Michael's making it out to be. Because that's who Michael is, and that's who every main character is who does shit like this. I don't mind this storyline at all. I just, it's not very original, and I just wish they'd have out with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, it'll be interesting to find out what it is when it finally comes up, because I like how, you know, Spock and Sarek's falling out has to do with their career choices, and Sarek approving of Spock's path, and different things like that. Because it's, it is simple, but it's also very realistic. Yes. And, and it's not this overblown huge drama of betrayal and and things like that it's just family drama F family drama yeah i did also like how amanda was angry at michael about it 
like she wasn't immediately trying to be reassuring or I'm sure it's not that bad, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You know, she was immediately like, she was just done. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. thought that that was a good reaction to have to that, to knowing that, you know, one of your kids betrayed the other one in some way. Yeah. Although, again, I think she would have demanded the specifics, especially since we literally just saw how proactive she was being at trying to get her family back together. But also, I guess she did list all the reasons she would have to be mad at Michael about it. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I think she's also resolved by that point that she's going to be the one who has to go talk to Spock. Really? Yeah, I think Amanda, like, I think Amanda's going to Michael for help. Oh, and I guess from Amanda's point of view, I can see that. I guess I was thinking more like the show is going to have Michael find him. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I mean, realistically as well, uh, Amanda would know that Michael can't just like hop off the ship at, ship at a random interval and chase something else down. Yeah. You know, she, she has to either get her captain to, um, I mean, in this case, it's connected to the mission. So they could go pursue these leads and find Spock. But if the captain decides that it's not a lead worth following, it's not like Michael can just be like, okay, I'm just I'm just going to go for my own thing. Yeah. I'll see you later. Like, she can't just check out like that, right? So. I do think Amanda would have demanded answers, like the specifics about what happened, especially considering right. how it tore the family apart. Mm -hmm. So that bothers me even more that the writers still just didn't give it to us for reasons. Right. On a slightly different note... Are you getting any hints of a Starfleet conspiracy about the lights and Spock and what's going on? You know, I wasn't thinking of it that way. But now that you say that, yes. Just because I get, hmm, because they had this ship investigating them, I just wasn't really thinking that Starfleet knew anything about them. But I guess that would be intriguing. I did like learning. Sorry, just as an aside, we can get back to the conspiracy thing in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um that both Spock and Michael had a connection to them when they were kids. And that when Spock had this vision of the angel when they were kids, it also led him to helping someone, mm -hmm. like in the past two episodes. So I am sticking with that being a thing. Yes. Yep. Sorry. It certainly does follow the trend. Back to the conspiracy discussion. Yeah. Because they have it where Spock killed some doctors and escaped the mental institute, but it was the institute he himself checked himself into. Okay, so as an aside, mm -hmm. I I did read an article some, like last year, I think, about mm -hmm. some perfectly sane people who, for research purposes, acted in such a way to get themselves into like a psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. And then once they were in, acted 100% normal, as they would you know, like, because they did not have any mental diseases, but nobody mm -hmm. noticed. No, mm -hmm. you know, they weren't released. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. They were just mm -hmm. kept there. Yeah. So I can see where maybe things, you know, he wouldn't be allowed to leave even if he wanted to. Like, that is a very realistic thing to me if psychiatric hospitals have not improved at all. Right. But you have a diplomat's son in a psychiatric hospital. And if he logically wants to get released, like, he, he's got connections, basically. That's what I'm saying. But if he could call his mom, he could call somebody to release him. And the only reason he wouldn't is for their own safety. 
Um, you know, like, or I, I'm just the people there aren't letting him. Right. But then why wouldn't they let him have contact with his family? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm agreeing with you. Sorry. I'm just saying yeah, that yeah. on the flip side, I can see where psychiatric hospitals are also just a bunch of oh. bullshit. So, yeah. So either the psychiatric hospital was acting sadly in a way that is not dissimilar from psychiatric hospitals act sometimes today or there's something else going on here and they're framing well either they're framing spock for the death of the doctors or something killed the doctors and took spock out or did spock actually check himself in or was that their cover story for spock being there in the first place or like there's so many I like so many different what ifs. I like how you almost just listed the exact list that Michael listed for possibilities. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like I obviously don't believe that Spock murdered these people because we know that Spock goes on to have a very good career in Starfleet. Right. Um so logically he couldn't have. And also Pike had told uh you know command that there was evidence of Spock's logs containing information about the signals before they appeared. Right. And that's when he's missing from the Institute? Yeah. I almost feel so, like Spock has gone too far the other way from Lorca. You know, he's like too by the rules. You mean Pike? I said Spock again, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> I was thinking Pike. Jesus. Well, but Pike's not strictly following the rules. He does tell Michael to break into Spock's medical file. That's true. I don't know. Maybe he's starting to loosen up. But I, I just mean, hmm. well, your conspiracy theory holds out. Holds up. Mm -hmm. Is interesting. So we'll see if there's any kind of Starfleet involvement or if this is strictly, like, because maybe it's the angel and in getting involved. Maybe. Do we have anything else to say about the Spock and Michael line not currently i don't think we don't we don't have enough information mm -hmm. so i i'm interested to learn more how did you feel about the overall pacing of the episode when we weren't with the klingons it was fine just every time we were with the klingons i was like i'd rather not be with the klingons right now like i genuinely don't care also i felt like the uh conversation between michael and ash Way too long. Yeah, but I can see where if they were sort of trying to wrap up Ash's storyline, they wanted to give them like a goodbye. Yeah, but I think he's going to come and show up with Giorgio and they're going to see each other face to face and there's going to be more of the romance going on. And I, I really just want like Ash and Giorgio to be doing their own thing. Yeah. And everyone else to move forward with their own thing. I have nothing against the romance, but. I do I do like Michael's character better this season when she's and I like I, I like the way they're writing her this season. And so far that's been without the romance. Like, does that make sense? That does make sense, yeah. And I think they're doing a better job with her. So I don't know. Yeah, I I think in this episode she's shown like more um emotional range dealing with the thing going on with Spock. And her mother then and i i'm appreciating that way more than the romance plot right so we heard from a couple of listeners this week uh earlier i mentioned the tweet from zinkstone on twitter and friend of the show matthew vose on twitter also tweeted some questions at us 
So the first one. Do you want to know what the thing Michael did to Spock was? Can it live up to the terribleness that's implied? And I think we addressed that. Yeah, I do want to know. And I don't think it's going to be as terrible as was implied. I can't imagine it as being anything other than like her, like that thing where you verbally tell somebody that you don't care about them or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be this. I can't imagine it being anything else because she would never physically hurt him. She would just say something or make him believe something so that he wouldn't want to be around her anymore. Yeah, I can see it being something about um, her being the the more loved, you know, child in the family or something like that. But I can't see it being anything physical because that potentially would have been found out. And also, I can't like I can't think of anything that she would say to him that as an adult, he would not logically be like, oh, she she needed me to stay away from her. You know, like from what we know of Spock. So I think there's more going on there. Like, I don't think Spock is staying away from her because of what she did when they were kids. Right. He's just letting her believe that for other reasons. Mm -hmm. That's quite possible. Because everything about Spock is that he's an intelligent, logical person. Mm -hmm. So I think he would work that out. True. Uh, The second thing Matthew mentioned was that Kate's observation about treat about Pike treating Michael Burnham like first officer was on point. And is it intentional or just an A plot, B plot writing? So do we think Pike is treating Michael like the first officer because he wants to, or do we just think it's poor writing? Honestly, I think it's poor writing. Yeah, I think it's also a little just just coincidental writing. Um, Like, he knows that Spock now knew of the signals. Michael was Spock's sibling. Um, You know, they seem the natural pairing to be solving this particular mystery, while Saru, your commander, is dealing with other elements of the ship that still have to keep going. And that's partly why you have a commander. Right? So that, you know, he can take care and keep these things running while the captain is thinking and, and working on this other problem. Yeah, but I, I still think, like, Saru and Pike would have a relationship, which we have literally seen zero of. Well, that is true. I guess it's not that big of a deal, really, mm-hmm. but it's just weird that we get nothing with Pike and Saru. And Saru even comments on it when he's with Tilly, because um, he's like, we'll get you back in the command training program. And she's like, what about Captain Pike? And he's like, well, I don't really know him well enough to know what his reaction would be kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Whereas I feel like if Michael were there, she would be like, I've had time with Pike and he's a reasonable man. He'll understand the circumstances. Um, yeah, exactly. And then the third point was, is a log entry different from opening narration? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like opening mm-hmm. with a log entry very classic Star Trek? It is very classic Star Trek. Does it still bother you? Um, I like it in a Star Trek setting simply because, you know, the Star Trek hierarchy is derived from military and naval tradition mm-hmm. where the captain and the top crew members would have to keep logs of things that are happening. Right. And so it doesn't seem forced in the way it would in other scenarios. Right. So I, I, I'm okay with that. It's not just that they have someone, you know, 
doing a thoughtful voiceover as they move around their room to catch you up on what's happening. It's This is an actual thing that they would use to track events and let's have them, you know, narrate it. I do like, actually, how all the, like, the first three episodes so far have all sort of started with a voiceover narration to them. And if it's, I think, a device that's being used effectively as sort of a, a pattern that you could subvert or do different things with, or then I think it could be used well. Mm-hmm. So, so far this season, I'm digging it. It doesn't feel random. It doesn't feel overly forced. Yeah, I don't, I don't care either way. It doesn't bother yeah. me. It doesn't stand out to me. It, it, it does feel very Star Trek-y. Yes. I'm just glad that this episode didn't have more, like, in-plot flashbacks. No, instead we got five tilt-sideway cameras that then rotated up, like, whatever. The first time they did the shot, I was like, oh, that was interesting. The fourth time they did it, I was like, okay. <laughs> We're good. We get it. We're in space. <laughs> Topsy-turvy. <laughs> Look, they had the camera set up all day. They shot every scene they could with it before they had to take the crane apart, okay? But it was, it was completely different sets, so no, not okay. I think even some of them were digital, so no. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we go on, there were a couple small Star Trek Easter eggs for this episode. Obviously, the big one at the beginning was the D7 Klingon battlecruiser, which is like the iconic Klingon type of ship. And I think we brought it up once or twice on the podcast that a lot of fans were reacting because like the Klingon ships didn't look like Klingon ships in season 1. Right? And so now part of her unification thing is that they're going to have like a fleet of ships for the Klingon Empire, it's not going to be that each house has their own, you know, different things. It's going to be more uniform. So. Right. And then the second tiny Easter egg was at the end, when they are delivering the baby, they mention it's to Boreth, which is a monastery that was visited a couple times by Worf, once in The Next Generation, mm -hmm. the episode Rightful Heir, and once in Deep Space Nine. The episode called The Way of the Warrior. Interesting. And it also occurred to me that another Klingon figure in Deep Space Nine is an albino Klingon. And it could be this kid. I, I will say, I forgot to mention this earlier, that the ending that they had for the kid is one of the reasons why I thought it was so ridiculous. Like, why, why introduce this plot and then by the end of the episode have it not matter at all although actually right. i guess that's kind of classically star trek too yeah in this case i think it was just sort of um letting there be other sort of future tie-ins that are nebulous and yeah yeah or like future complications if there's like an a romance with ash and michael and then she finds out that she's he's got a son and or you know well, I just thought it was dumb. Well, luckily the baby's been dropped off at the monastery, and I don't think we will have to deal with the baby itself anymore. Which just makes it dumber, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. Should we do some recommendations? Yes. 
Except I've only been doing one thing this week, and I don't know that I would recommend it. <laughs> have you been playing Kingdom Hearts? Yes, I have been playing Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, and we heard mis mixed things about it. Well, I'm probably going to finish it tonight. Okay. So, you might maybe I'll recommend it next week. <laughs> okay. No, it's been fun. Uh, you know, waiting 13 years for a game is uh, like it's never going to be everything that you want it to be <laughs> after 13 years. Of course. It's kind of the problem that the Game of Thrones books are running into. Yeah. And I did. I did. So one of the characters is traditionally just kind of shafted. The mainish female character, obviously. Mm -hmm. And she was once again in this game. And I saw somebody online kind of saying that, you know, they didn't mind it. It, you know, honestly, I personally wasn't expecting anything different for her either. So whatever. Mm -hmm. But somebody tried to defend it by saying they didn't have enough time to do something for her. And I was like, they had 13 fucking years, actually. Like more time than ever. Like, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weak. <laughs> but they did do some really fun things with unifying the entire very large cast and making fun mentions of mm, bringing everyone together and the different disney worlds were lots of fun so that's really all i wanted i'm there's no final fantasy characters which sucks mm. that was the whole, whole original point of the game a disney final fantasy crossover right but they have too many original characters now so gotcha now, are you going to leave that in as your recommendation, or are you going to recommend yeah, something Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, okay. if you like fun games and don't care about understanding the plot, Kingdom Hearts 3. It's got a really good battle system. <laughs> okay. And is very kid-friendly. Mm, true. Um, okay, for my recommendation this week, I'm going to recommend another podcast, which I, I don't think I've recommended this podcast yet. Um, I've been listening to one called The Dream, which is about multi-level marketing or pyramid schemes that is not where i thought you were gonna go with that i know it's a limited series podcast so i think it's 12-ish episodes and it gives you a fascinating look at the origin of multi-level marketing and how entrenched it is in current american culture and politics so it's it's really interesting to listen to and mm -hmm. it might change the way you interact with multi-level marketing schemes and direct sales. I ignore all of them. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Weren't you involved with one for a short time? Yeah. Maybe still are. Yeah. Well, and being a, a white middle-class uh, middle-income woman living in the suburbs, uh, I'm surrounded by them. That's, it's, I'm very much one of the demographics that's targeted by right, yes. these. So, um, yeah. I got invited to one for tea one time, mm -hmm. and I couldn't go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I'll maybe still buy some tea. Like, I sent the person a message because I like tea. Mm -hmm. And almost immediately, they were like, you should host your own thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Jesus, never mind. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to tell people to, like, not get involved or change the way they interact with them because they're it's it's a complex situation but this will give you some understanding about how they work like some some deeper understanding of them 
Right. Because, I mean, it's, I, as, it's as flawed as any other... Like, one of the things I think the dream doesn't do a good enough job is of is that it, it doesn't point out that, like, almost every capitalist system has its flaws like this. So is this our multi-level marketing better or worse than Amazon? Like, how, how do you compare levels of badness right? In, in terms of what they're doing? Is it possible to be worse than Amazon? Um, reading online about people who have listened to the dream, mm-hmm. some of them get very, very outspoken and vociferous about multi-level marketing schemes. And I'm like, you know, it's... Like, the pure economic principles they're based on is, like, very pure business principles. Like, businesses exist to make a profit. Right. I have nothing particularly against them. I just wish people would leave me alone about them. Right, yeah. Like, I've I've literally muted friends on Facebook because I'm just like, no, stop. This is not your life. Or it's not your whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, my recommendation this week. And a quick tidbit that's again star trek related that i forgot to mention at the top of the show uh no real news except there was that big sports show last weekend the super bowl sports ball yeah the super bowl and apparently there was a very short teaser for star trek discovery that featured spock as one of the commercials oh i didn't even hear about that (laughs) i was just upset there's no stranger things preview yeah um it's only the third it's like time. like the only thing I wanted from the Super Bowl. Sorry. <laughs> and, and nothing. Anyway. It's only the third time that um, any sort of Star Trek promo has ever aired during the Super Bowl. I just want you to know oh. that my upsetness about the lack of Stranger Things was mm-hmm. the highest my levels got this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alrighty. I guess that's it for this week. We should wrap it up. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening. Next week, please join us while we'll be discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 4, and Obol for Sharon. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at own at gmail.com or at own on Twitter. We are also on Instagram, instagram.com slash own, and I do have a couple of... Uh, photos or screenshots from this week's episode that I wanted to share on there. So look for those hopefully this week. Before next week, we should figure out how to say Karen, Sharon, Sharon. Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> we should. <laughs> but that's everything for this week. Yes. yes. Bye. Bye. So, like, do we think Pike is treating, is wanting to, so I'm going to say that all again, sorry. So, do we think Pike is treating Michael because he wants her to be the first, oh my fucking God. (laughs) Okay. One more time. So, do we think, (laughs) fuck. I've been listening to so much Punch of the Jam, I almost tried to, like, improv a rap for Wrap It Up. (laughs)
Oh, God. And it was going to be so bad. <laughs> I'm very glad that I stopped myself. That is definitely not our thing. I don't no, think I could improv no. anything to save I can't, my life. I don't know what beat is, so it would have been the worst. It would have been so bad. Anyways, <sighs> you can take the wrap up because I'm going to be quiet now. Okay.